Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 540, air date March 17th, 2020. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I want to do a talk about uh, the choices we have and the future and really to look at a future of what we want to have, uh, more quarantines, you know, drugs and vaccines, or do we want to have a future of real health? And that's a discussion I want to have with you today because I think this is an amazing, amazing opportunity for all of us to have that discussion because for far too long we haven't really had that uh, opportunity to have that because people have forgotten what's really important in life. One of the things I want to do is I want to make sure this is also going out on YouTube and we know there's a lot of people wanted to see this on YouTube so I want to make sure it's out there and let's see if it's coming through and we'll see what's going on here um, I don't see it out on YouTube Jen if you're listening to me and you see this on YouTube please let me know if not we will put it up later okay but anyway we'll get back to this and as I share the discussion I really want to have is about the choices we have in life and what we what do we really want to do in terms of our health. I also want to make sure it's coming up here, and it is. All right, so uh, uh, we see that the economy is having problems. We see massive tanking of stocks that took place on Monday. Uh, we see that uh, uh, many, many states are having all sorts of quarantines, and that's really been the focus, which is one approach to stop an infectious disease, right? There are many things that I've talked about. President Trump. Um, really wanted to uh, immediately impose the border closings and he was called a racist for doing that if people remember that for th uh, you know people coming for China in fact in Boston the mayor of Boston who's anti-Trump um, was telling people that was racist and, and was telling people when President Trump called that to go out to Chinese restaurants and eat and then after that uh, you know the quarantines or people um, not being uh, allowed to you know, gather more than 25 people, school closings and all that have taken place. But the knee-jerk reaction was to go against the president. Now, if you're a Democrat or liberal or independent uh, or Republican, that's really not the issue. The issue is, I want to really start talking about the future. What kind of things can you do for your future? What are the choices you're going to make? And the fact is that those choices are going to have significant uh, effect on your lives. And this is something probably that's one of the most important things that we need to start thinking about. Who do you choose to lead? Who are the people that you choose to advise you? What are the choices that you make to what you put inside your body? What are the choices you make on what kinds of things you interact with or, or are going to withstand on what you're going to interact with outside of your body? That's what this opportunity is really, really about. And I think it's a big wake-up call for all of us. And I hope people understand that my life from, for since I was a four-year-old kid was intertwined in two different areas. One area, interesting enough, was politics and the other area was health since I was a four-year-old kid. So um, this is deeply personal to me and it's something that I'm extremely qualified to talk about. First of all, some of you may, may know I grew up in a caste system in India. India has a thing called a caste system where people are at the bottom called untouchables and then people are on the top the priesthood who are taught to believe that they know everything essentially not that different than what we have emerging in the united states the intellectuals or the academics at harvard and places like that who think they know better than any everyone else and working people on the bottom we were considered untouchables in india and that started me on a journey to understand politics as a three or four year old kid when i saw that when I went to a friend of mine's home, his mother told me to stand outside because I was not, you know, I was essentially at cooties or something. I shouldn't come into their home. And I was given water in a different cup. And that started me on a journey to understand why was there injustice? Why was I treated differently, um, etc. The, the other journey was the journey with my grandmother, who was a farmer, hardworking farmer, my grandparents, and on weekends she was the village shaman uh, in those days women were typically in every village the women was a healer they had learned traditions of practice of how to look at someone's 
uh, body, you know, whether their face, their eyes, a whole bunch of diagnosis methods and figure out what was right for their body. And so that, uh, and I saw my grandmother, she was a village healer on the weekends, 30, 40 people would line up. And I saw her empirically heal many, many people. But the key was it was the right medicine for the right person at the right time. It involved many, many modalities from massage to yoga. It also involved particular foods, uh, combinations of very powerful herbs, extracts, which we would call quote unquote drugs, but they were coming from natural sources. So I saw this woman with no degrees heal people. And, and so I was deeply interested in politics and deeply interested in medicine. And what's fascinating for me is that right now with the coronavirus issue, we have both things coming together. This is a deeply political issue and it's a deep, a very, very powerful issue about health. And it's an opportunity for those of you who don't want to talk politics and some of you, you know, may um, say, hey, Shiva, we love your stuff that you do on the medicine side and the health side, but you don't need to get involved in politics. Well, you're gravely wrong. We live in a world where you need to understand politics and economics and you need to understand health. And in fact, both of those are deeply connected. And that's what we're going to talk about also today. So let's uh, uh, take a step back and understand, you know, there's a trajectory of everyone's journey that brought us to this point. My journey, as I said, was politics and health. Uh, coming to the United States as a, a kid when I was seven years old. Uh, by the time I was 14, I was doing medical research as a full-time research fellow at Rutgers Medical School. And I also started doing quite a bit of work um, in understanding how computers could be used to understand biology, biological systems. This was when I was a 14-year-old kid. I, I applied computing to understand sudden infant death syndrome, why babies were dying in their sleep. At the same time, I got deeply into technology and computers where in that medical school, I was asked to create a, a, a electronic version of the inner office mail system, which was the inbox, outbox folders in the electronic form. I converted that entire system. And, and when I did that, I wrote 50,000 lines of code, called that system email, and also got the first US copyright. So I was doing medicine and technology long before I came to MIT. When I came to MIT, one of the things that I was really hoping for was to really do medicine. But I found out that the Western system of medicine does not treat the body as a whole system. So I was a systems guy. Email, by the way, was a system. A lot of very uh, ignorant people keep uh, questioning whether I invented email or not, I did invent email. I called it email, I wrote the code, but the problem is many of these ignorant people do not understand email was a system. It wasn't the simple exchange of text messages. It was the inbox, outbox, folders, uh, you know, the uh, address book, all of these things in a format that was an interconnected system. Uh, that's what email is, it's a system. So I learned systems. So when I came to MIT, I had a deep interest in medicine and found out that the entire basis of Western medicine was really about looking at your body as parts, as a collection of parts. Now that was good if we were in a military environment, which goes back to the 1800s where Western medicine originated, meaning that you uh, went out to fight and if you got hurt or wounded, you got brought back into a thing called a hospital. Now in the 1800s when Florence Nightingale was around. She was more than a nurse in the Crimean War. She actually created the modern healthcare system. The goal was that the hospital, her vision was, would, would become transformed in an area of research. But fundamentally, the goal was to put that soldier back on the battlefield. So we created antibiotics, surgery, you know, a very powerful thing, steroids. But you have to understand, Western medicine was designed in, 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 in a crisis mode uh, after you got disease after you got screwed over to essentially fix that part and put you back on the quote unquote battlefield. So I hope everyone understands this. Western medicine was not designed for prevention. It was not designed on how to strengthen your subsystems. It was designed after you got sick. And this is something we need to understand. Eastern systems of medicine, whole systems of medicine were created, were created to understand your body. I say this because when you look at the current crisis, the MDs, the CDC, the quote-unquote advisors were telling us what to do. They only know a small part of medicine when it comes to the body. They, MDs, we'll talk about it more, frankly, don't know a lot about systems. 
They are basically trained to be robots in the sense of if this, do this, if this, do this. Unfortunately, they're also trained to have huge egos, okay? When they actually, their medical school training is medieval. The training that I've gone through that I wanna share with you that I wanna actually bring to the world is a systems approach to health. And I'll talk about this. And that systems approach to health is to understand the body is a complex engineering system. In fact, those same principles uh, relate to everything in the planet. You can, once you understand your body is a system, those same principles res reside on your computer, plumbing systems, electrical systems, trans transportation systems. Unfortunately, the people you choose to keep electing over and over again, um, and you have to take some accountability for this, are lawyers and lobbyists. 60% of Congress is lawyers. They don't know how to solve problems. They don't know systems. What they do know how to do is to write complex uh, uh, obtuse laws that you can't even figure out. They, they do things to manipulate you. They take your money. Lawyer, legal, the legal profession is the only profession that takes your money before they have to deliver any work. Every other profession we have to do work or otherwise we don't get paid. So it's time that you start recognizing the future. The future is going to be based on your choice on who are the people you trust and what kind of leaders are you going to uh, bring in who actually know how to solve problems and people out there like you should be in governance if you're a nurse if you're a plumber if you're an electrician if you're a mother okay uh, you solve problems every day I solve problems lawyers don't solve problems uh, career politicians do not solve problems and lobbyists don't they thrive on creating problems so when we look at the current situation let's go back to around 2008 or 2009 well, in 2008, 2009, we have a very similar situation. The economy is crashing, okay? In, cra in fact, it crashed uh, massively. And so what did we do at that time? So the economy was going through a failure because the economic system really had no tangible uh, uh, foundation to it. Well, when it failed, what did we do? Did we follow the natural course of market uh, economic or market forces which all of these people claim that they support, you know, capitalism or against it, against quote unquote socialism. What did they do? What they did was they actually uh, took care of themselves. So Barack Obama implemented what was called quantitative easing, and I'll explain what that means. But they didn't want their buddies to fail. They didn't want Goldman Sachs to fail. They didn't want Morgan St Stanley to fail. When they should have failed, the big banks should have failed. Okay. They were basically parasitic parasites, leeches. Instead of letting them fail, what they did was they created the ability for the Federal Reserve to basically print money with and 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 uh, decoupled it from anything real. So what they and this was called quantitative easing. So if you have one box here which is a treasury, you have another box here which is the banks. And then you have a third box here called the Federal Reserve. What they did was they created a methodology where the banks could buy bonds and, and then they could sell those bonds to the Federal Reserve. But when they sold it to them, the Fed basically gave them reserve, okay, for that equivalent of cash for the bonds they bought. And th that reserve allowed the banks to lend at nine times what they had. It was called factoring, okay? Or a way they could essentially leverage. So what we did was we never fundamentally made those bankers pay. Barack Obama was responsible for ensuring that the bankers could do more and more and more gambling. Okay, they should have failed. And this was called quantitative easing. What quantitative easing meant was that the Fed could literally, I, I want to put the double quotes around the word print money, quote unquote print money, because what they did was when the banker said, buy my bonds, let's say they gave them a billion dollars to buy the bonds. They never really gave it to them. They put a billion in reserve and it was literally digital cash. It didn't even exist. They literally made it up. And with that billion, which doesn't exist, for which the Fed bought the bonds from the banks, those banks were now allowed to lend nine times that, okay? It's basically, this was done, the theory of this model, was called the Keynesian model, was you put money supply out there, money out there, and you spur growth. 
Okay, sounds good. But what the bankers did was they just took that money. They didn't really put it out there. They just pummeled it into the stock market to create this thing called the uh, inflated stock market. Okay, so what Barack Obama did, quantitative easing, was essentially a way of avoiding, was never really uh, taking care of the real issue. You know, if you have a, an arm that needs to be amputated, you should probably cut it off. If you have systems in your body that are failing, you know, you should get rid of them. In many traditional cult cultures, we did cleanses or you detoxed your body. You got rid of the worms. You got rid of the cancers in your body. Instead of doing that, they kept them there. And in fact, they fed them with sugar which is what the money supply was. And in many ways, year over year over year, they kept this system propped up through this process called quantitative easing, which is to keep lowering the interest rate and giving the bankers money. And those bankers, very wealthy people, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they took that money, which was really free money that they got, and frankly, kept it for themselves. And then when they lent it, they lent it to all of us working people, right? So the, these were the elites lending us money. So what we have today is that everyone knew that this system was unsustainable, including Donald Trump. So in 2016, now forward to 2016, Trump actually wanted to get rid of the Fed. Go look at it. He wanted to get rid of the Fed and, and many of the people who you would call the deep state globalists never thought Trump would get elected. The Barack Obamas, they were making fun of him, all the, all the Hollywood people, all the uh, Clintons, etc. Whether you like Trump or not, that's not the point. The point is, in this entire situation, you and I and working people were getting screwed because both the Republican establishment and the Democratic establishment were essentially working together to support this whole process called quantitative easing to build essentially a false economy and insider trading. Now, Trump, I believe, had a sense of this and his election was based in many ways what, uh, of, of attracting the American working people whose, uh, 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 whose, whose needs were never being addressed. We were talking about all sorts of other things, but not addressing the higher cost of healthcare, not addressing fundamental issues that manufacturing had gone away, that intellectual property was being stolen from this country. So in my view, I believe Trump knew this. He took a nationalist approach. And his goal was to A, bring back manufacturing here, knowing that was a national security issue because if we did not have manufacturing in the event of a war, we'd be screwed. He wanted to protect innovation and intellectual property because that's what made America great. And these were two pillars of what Trump uh, attempted to do. The globalists and the deep state did not want this. Again, it doesn't matter whether you like Trump or not, just look at it, they had massive hatred. Guy like Bill Maher, very disgusting individual, openly in a couple of years ago, he said that he wanted the economy to crash. I'll repeat, Bill Maher, if you're listening, and all those people who think he's a nice guy, he wanted the economy to crash, whether it screwed you or me, because they hated Trump so much. You know, I don't know President Trump personally, but these people hated him personally, and they hated him more importantly for the fact that he was going after both establishments and he wanted a nationalist agenda. So we have today is since uh, 2009, 2008, the elites were being supported by Barack Obama's monetary policies by quantitative easing. When Trump gets in in 2016, the American working people rise up, he wins, and they in fact even get more angered. And you have the elites with the vocal mouthpiece of Bill Maher, the quote unquote comedian, saying that he wanted the economy to crash. And you can all go look at this, Google it right now. So that's on the economic front and the economy is still on crack cocaine, which means year over year, Trump also continues quantitative easing, basically keep some semblance of the economy go going while he's trying to bring manufacturing back and intellectual property. Now, why did he want to do that? Because everyone knows there was going to be a depression, some massive fall, but how low will that go? And if we at least bring manufacturing back, if we build back the infrastructure of this country, you could... Stop that. However, the elites in this country did not want this. They did not want this, this taking place. Now, consider this also other fact. When Barack Obama was in office, H1N1 took place. Let's now talk a little bit about science. About 60 million people got infected, 300,000 people 
died globally, about 18,000 people in the United States. That's what happened. Now, if we want to be fair and we want to apply the same yardstick as my great-grandfather would say, so we don't have one yardstick for one situation and another yardstick for another situation, if we actually want to apply the same yardstick, we have to ask why in God's name did we not follow what people are calling prudent, you know, conventional procedures, do what we call quarantine, why didn't we tell people to stop going to work, all the things, because at that point there was 18,000 people dying. Why? And you have to ask this fundamental question. Now I can get into the science and talk about coronavirus difference, but H1N1, but it was quite a quote unquote a devastating event relative to what's going on today, about 50, 60 people who are dying. 18,000 people died. Well, what you come to the conclusion that you understand, because if because the same yardstick wasn't being applied as today is then, you find out that there's a different agenda. And that agenda is that the elites throughout the world, which includes a, a finite set of people, and they have no national interests, they have only interests of themselves, those people's interests was they did not want a Trump. They liked a Obama because he was their boy, but Trump wasn't their boy. And that concerns them. So in order to do that, they were willing, because let's be very honest, this economy is built on a deck of cards and those people who own the levers can go make it go up and make it go down, can make it go up and make it go down. And if you don't believe that, you're very naive because the economy is built on a deck of cards and they control the economy. So they can hyperinflate it, they can deflate it, they, have, they own all the levers, you and I don't. So they decided that during the Obama period where H1N1 was out, they weren't gonna crash the economy. But when coronavirus, and we can talk about where it came, how it came, all of that, they decided they would wanna crash it, okay? And in fact, they wanna crash it timing-wise before the November 2020 elections. They would love to see this crash occur sooner. So that is where we're at today that there is a fundamental model here that the system of the modern economy with quantitative easing is literally as though it's on crack cocaine. And the elites do not care about you and I because they have everything scuttled away. They have their private planes. They have their private helicopters. They know where to get away to be at Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or the Clintons or whoever you want to talk about. What they do, what they what, what, what perturbs them more is someone like Donald Trump being in power because he provides uncertainty to their future. That's what this issue is fundamentally about. Coronavirus, let's talk about that. Well, under what conditions did the coronavirus come up? You have America, which is becoming nationalist, India is becoming nationalist, Russia is nationalist, even China was becoming nationalist. And what do I mean by that? they were starting to wanting to use their yen to buy oil, which is a big no-no to the global elites. If you remember what happened to Gaddafi, when Gaddafi wanted to go buy oil, he was creating his own currency to buy oil directly from the Saudis. He was executed by the, Clinton, by, the Clint, by the Clintons, okay? Iran is branded as a terrorist because they want to create their own currency. China was starting to do that. Russia wants to start doing that. And in Italy, if you actually look at it over the last 10 years, there's been one of the most important movements, a bottoms up independent movement called the Five Star Movement, which challenged both political parties in Italy. And in China itself was the, the Hong Kong um, freedom movements taking place. In Wuhan, six months ago, there were anti-pollution protests taking place. And in the United States, there was the anti-vaccine movement, which was questioning uh, force medical intervention. So what you have is for the global elites in this country, the deep state, which includes big pharma, which wants to put all of us on drugs, which wants to mandate vaccines because that's the only way out for them because vaccines, by the way, are the only way pharmaceutical companies make real profitable revenue. Why? Because pharmaceutical drug uh, developments are going down. When I mean drugs, meaning the process that they have to put stuff through 13 to 15 years of testing. Pharmaceutical drugs, I'll repeat, they are not, they're a big, big, high risk, high liability for pharma companies, but vaccines are low risk, low liability. And the reason for that is that in 1986, the vaccine courts were created 
So if you got hurt by a vaccine, you could not sue the vaccine manufacturer. You could only take your issue up to the Health and Human Services Vaccine Court, which was created to shield the vaccine manufacturers. And the highest liability for death was $250,000. All right. Bottom line, the global elites do not want nationalism. When I mean nationalism, that means each country becoming sovereign at the national level, each community is becoming sovereign, and you becoming sovereign to, at, at the ultimate level to make your own decisions for your lives. They do not want that. They want top-down control, control, control. And what do we have today? Okay, We have an ultimate form of control with the hyper-scare, the hyper-fear-mongering of the coronavirus. And let's assume we put this on parity, H1N1 and coronavirus on parity. If you put them on parity, we should have had quarantining. We should have been shutdowning stuff during Barack Obama's era, which was at this point, 30 times, uh, 300 times more worse. But we didn't do that because the elites wanted to protect Obama. They do not want to protect Trump or the people that supported him. So today what we have is this fake illusion that these people want to help us. And how do they say they want to help us? We're going to quarantine you. I'm going to, for the sake of, from a public health standpoint, it's common sense. If you have people who are very sick, you know, elderly people, you definitely want to make sure infection doesn't spread to them. So in that regard, yes, quarantining is, is important and we want to make sure we protect people. Great. And in fact, Trump wanted to do that. On the other hand, they did not do this with H1N1 at all. Okay, so you have to put this in perspective. Let's apply the same yardstick. Now, let's go to the next piece. They want to develop a vaccine as a cure. And this understanding is based on a very poor understanding of modern science, modern biology, and the modern immune system. And the entire goal is to see that the cure-all out of this is we all get vaccinated. In fact, I believe Denmark just passed a law that they can force vaccinate you. Okay, so think about this. Hong Kong, there were protests, as I mentioned. In Wuhan, in China itself, six months before, the Chinese people were protesting against massive pollution and incinerator plants. That disappeared now. We've disappeared Hong Kong, and the goal is to disappear the medical freedom movement in this country. President Trump may not know about all this. He's doing the best he can because on the one hand, he's got to fight the globalists. He's got to protect the economy and he's doing what he can. But what I'm here to help and share with you is there are other things that we can also do for the future. And you're looking at someone who's always created the future. Let me share with you a little bit about that. So it, it puts this in perspective. Some of you may know, you know, uh, by the way, if you guys want to go to my website, because in the interest of time, if you go to vashiva.com, you, you'll have an opportunity to actually see vashiva, those on Instagram, if you can go to vashiva.com, you can actually see the, the fact that I've had a life history of creating the future. It's not just theory. It's not like a soundbite like these other idiotic politicians have. I created the first email system. I went on to then, uh, I'm running for currently Senate. But one of the cool companies that, I, that came out of my work at MIT was this co cool technology called Cytosolve. Cytosolve literally helps us use the computer like I did for email to understand the entire human cell on the computer, or for that matter, disease. We actually can model disease on the computer. We understand all the molecular, we're able to integrate the known science to understand molecular mechanisms. And this is something we can actually use to help build new medicines for protecting immune health. In addition to that, one of my life uh, interests has always been systems. As I mentioned, uh, very quickly, we can do a whole talk on systems health at some point. But if you look at, if you take a class in systems theory at MIT, what you'll learn is every system in the universe has a goal, it has a sensor, it has disturbances, it has an input and an output, and we have transport, conversion, and storage. Very simply put, these nine boxes here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, actually about nine or 10, uh, are the elements of every control system in the universe. What I mean by that is, if you look at your thermostat, it has a goal, and we actually can look at the actual output. Let's say you want 78 degrees. The temperature is actually 70. You can take the output and then you can figure out how you manipulate the input 
So you get the output and basically this is a control system. So in your house, your thermometer is constantly watching the actual temperature it manipulates to get to your goal. The reason I'm sharing this with you, and I, I, I think we're gonna make our systems training course available to all because this is a time everyone really needs to understand a systems approach. And that the essence of this, there's a whole um, uh, capability we have that I built for many years after I came back from my Fulbright is to really educate you on how to understand how the body itself is a system. Health itself is a system. So if you look at this, the goal of an economy is uh, vibrancy and homeostasis. The goal of your body is to have resilience and homeostasis, a goal, and you can set these goals, but there are principles which govern systems. And once you learn those principles, you can apply that to anything, economic systems, the immune system, etc. Um, so what I wanna uh, get back to here to really understanding is that what we have right now, we have people in power, Congress people who don't know math, they don't know physics, they're not plumbers, they're not electricians, they don't know how to fix anything. And you and others keep electing them when these guys in a crisis cannot even properly define, they don't even know what the immune system is, okay? They don't even know what to focus on, except one very stupid thing. Um, and that thing is quarantine, fear-mongering, quarantine, fear-mongering. Am I saying we shouldn't quarantine? No. Am I saying that we should um, uh, make sure we don't follow prudent things to make sure we don't cough on other people? No, okay? However, that is not the way we get to health. The future of your health is not gonna be from quarantines, not gonna be from vaccines, not gonna be from drugs. Let me repeat that. You have a choice. Do you want a future every year the economy is gonna go up and down? Because I'll tell you this, we're gonna get more and more viruses. A uh, uh, hundred years ago, I mean, uh, uh, 10 years ago, a billion people traveled. Now 4 billion people traveled. 1 billion, 4 billion. 400% more people travel today. So there's gonna obviously be more and more, you know, quote unquote, uh, infections, more and more viruses. But if you go back to history, and if you really study what actually cured uh, viruses and infections, it was not you know, drugs and medical interventions. That's a big, the biggest lie that you've been told. What actually cured, what actually cured and really brought down 98% of the infectious diseases in the world during the 1900s, particularly in this country in the 1950s, was infrastructure. Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Let me repeat this. The future at that point for eliminating infectious diseases and the spread of it was infrastructure. And the politicians, the CDC, the NIH, and all these so-called people who claim that they're MDs and care about you and I don't give a damn about you because they don't wanna talk about the infrastructure that has not been implemented. What they have done is to force people to say, drugs, 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 vaccines, vaccines, vaccines and now they've layered in quarantine, okay? That's what they wanna go. But they don't give a damn about your health because the real way that health comes is understanding the body first as a system and understanding that real health comes when we have infrastructure. Infrastructure for clean air, clean water, clean food, and when you take care of your infrastructure. And that comes from a systems approach to understanding health, which I've shared with you in the previous video on the immune system. But one of the things I want to share with you is if you go to our website, everyone knows I'm running for U.S. Senate. If you don't go to Shiva for Senate, I've put together a manifesto. You can, you, you can print it, copy it. I don't care. Uh, it's, it's free for all. You can use it. But there's a PDF here which I lay out the interconnection between politics and medicine. It's called a revolution to win your future for truth, freedom, and health, futurizing our infrastructure to deliver real solutions for real problems. One of the things I want to show you here in Massachusetts, which is supposed to be the center of uh, innovation, Massachusetts got an F minus. Look at this right here. Massachusetts got 123 out of 50 points, a big F in infrastructure. And Massachusetts got a D plus, a D plus right here you can see uh, up here in for public integrity, which means corruption. One of the most corrupt states, one of the most decaying infrastructures. So let's contrast that to what took place in the 1800s, I mean, late 1900s. 14 out of 100 people were dying. 
of infectious diseases, 100,000. But by 1950, that went down to half over 100,000, 98% drop. How did that occur? Well, because people like you and I fought on the streets in the late 1800s, working people, they got rid of child labor, they started uh, supporting vitamin A, nutrition, we started making sure that we had infrastructure, clean water, sanitation, etc. That's why I keep saying the sanitation worker and the plumber did more for infectious diseases than did the medical doctor or the pharmacist. Today, what we have is a country where we have massive obesity, massive obesity. We have explosive growth in diabetes. We have water systems, Flint, Michigan, okay? I get a bill here in Belmont which says that I should watch out for lead and I supposedly live in a wealthy neighborhood. So what we have is the politicians have destroyed our air, water, and food because of their collusion with the companies like Monsanto, with their collusion with Big Pharma, with their collusion with regular, regulatory agencies who want to regulate certain products so we can crank the price out of them. Vaccines and drugs, vaccines and drugs, vaccines and drugs. And you keep electing these people who do not give a damn about you because you've been trained to think there's always some quick fix. There is no quick fix. The real fix comes when you take responsibility for your health. Now, I as an educator and I as a scientist and I as someone who studied this as a systems guy want to provide that kind of leadership and real leadership is supposed to be education to be a catalyst. And the opportunity here is we need to focus on immune health. That's what the opportunities, if public officials truly cared, which I don't believe the CDC does, I don't believe the FDA does, and I don't believe the NIH does. What they care about is supporting their buddies in big pharma and big, you know, uh, you know, big vaccines now and big ag, okay? But if we truly wanna support immune health, immune health is gonna come when you start recognizing that you need to take a systems approach to understand your body, you need to make sure you're eating the right kinds of foods, and you need to recognize that your body will heal and it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger because a body is actually created to be a system whose goal is homeostasis. Now, today, the reason these public officials are running around is because they know in the United States, we've created a culture of people who have ill health. You know, you can't be eating a McDonald's all day long or Burger King. But those institutions, Burger King, McDonald's, if you're listening, you actually have an opportunity to provide us much better organic pesticide-free food. But it's not gonna happen until we as public start recognizing that we have to make choices for ourselves. So this issue right here is a big wake-up call for immune health. What do you put inside and what do you put around you? The second piece is, are you gonna keep electing people who destroy our water, who destroy our air, and who destroy our food? And are you going to keep electing people who know nothing about systems, okay? They don't know how to solve anything. In Massachusetts, I'm running against three idiotic lawyers, you know, two Democrats and one Republican. You need someone like me. You need someone like you. You People need people who solve problems. We need more working, you know, electricians probably in Congress and the Senate, plumbers, working people, mothers who actually have to take care of a household. They know a lot more than a lawyer, I'll tell you that, or a lobbyist who do nothing. So your choice, your future is what is at hand here. Look, take a little taste of what's going on right now. It's a little taste of more and more what could be. Quarantines, people not being allowed to work, not us being allowed to gather. That's very destructive to the human psyche. Vaccine mandates. Well, I don't want my freedom taken away. I don't want people to tell me what I'm gonna be injected with. I don't care what the fear is. The issue is, as I've shared before, the immune system that you and I have, it's not the virus. It's not the virus that hurts it. It's not the virus that hurts our bodies. It is a weakened and dysfunctional immune system over a lifetime of poor choices over a lifetime of dirty air, dirty water, dirty food that gets weakened. Now, some people have genetic issues, but by and large, it's epigenetic, which means people's genes can be turned on and off. And this is from outer influences, which we can control, which is what we're supposed to put leadership in there to watch out, but they don't. They've sold you out, they've sold me out. And that's what we're witnessing. We're witnessing right before our eyes 
the failure of the entire leadership base from academia, university professors, university administrators who collaborated with Jeffrey Epstein. We are seeing the complete failure of high-tech so-called people who control what we're communicating today from Google's to the Facebook to the telco companies. They want to suppress freedom. We have suppression of truth from academia and we surely have suppression of health because no one wants to teach people how the body is a system. So given what's going on, I'm going to start doing that. I have a whole thing that I've been doing for the last 12 years uh, that we've been educating and it's time that I uh, make it in fact more accessible to everyone because I think the times come that everyone starts becoming their own healer, their own doctor, starts taking care of their own bodies and at, at least gets enough knowledge so they can work with their quote unquote healthcare provider. Because a medical school education, most MDs, a lot of them are very nice people, but that medical school edu school education does not teach them, teach them anything about how to treat the body as a system. They don't learn engineering principles. MDs learn, if you see this, 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 do this. However, in closing, what I wanna say is, over the last week or so, I must have gotten hundreds and hundreds of calls from many people, I've made my cell phone accessible to all. A lot of surgeons, anesthesiologists have called me. You know, surgeons actually have to solve a problem. They have to use their brains to solve something. Anesthesiologists are the most important people in the surgery room. They have to make sure that they're guiding that patient down into uh, where, where, where they're asleep and then bringing them out. In fact, it's very much like flying a plane in and out. In fact, an anesthesiologist just call me. I said, you know, it's interesting. You're calling me. Surgeons call me and they appreciate the videos we're doing, but the MDs really don't because most of them don't know how to solve problems. Anesthesiologists, surgeons do. Plumbers do. Nurses do. Those of us who live in the world of nuts and bolts actually have to solve problems. Lawyers and lobbyists, stop voting for them. They're not your future. You need someone like myself. And if you don't want someone like me, find someone who actually knows how to solve problems who does that for a living, who didn't get a trust fund, who goes uh, and actually works hard. That's what you need and that's what you deserve. You've been given bad food, bad advice by corrupt people who live on the hog and that's who has caused this destruction today uh, and we're seeing it, witnessing it right in front of us right now. You know, they're using the coronavirus for fear mongering. They're using it for supposedly caring about public health. But if they gave a damn about public health, they would be supplementing our seniors and the immunocompromised with things like vitamin C and glutathione right now. You don't see any of the CDC and NIH talking about that. I mentioned this before. All they're waiting for is vaccines, 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 okay? And a large subset of them do wanna see this economy crash because they do not like Trump and they do not like you and me. They don't want working people in power. That's what they don't want. That's what they do not want. So I'm gonna, uh, if there's any questions, uh, Jen, if there's any questions, I'll take them in the next sort of five, 10 minutes, but it's time that we realize who is actually fighting for us and who is not fighting for us because your future, your life or your death, unfortunately, your harm to your body may depend on the choices you make in 2020. This is no longer a game. This is no longer about sound bites. This is no longer about a celebrity running for office. Um, uh, you check this out from Alexa. I can't see it, Jen, whatever you're saying. Um, but if you can text it to me, Jen, that'd be great. Uh, UPS Eyes In-Home Health Services US Vaccine Project. Okay. Okay, so what you can see is that this coronavirus is being used to essentially add insult to injury in some sense by forcing a forced vaccination model. That's what this is all headed towards. When there was a big movement building in this country for freedom saying, mothers were saying, I don't want my kid being hit with 30 vaccines. And that movement was growing, just like the movement for freedom in Hong Kong was growing. And what we're seeing is, it says UPS has been planning to get involved with vaccines before the break, <laughs> before the outbreak. So that's what we see going on. So I, thought, I think it's time that people realize their freedoms are gonna be taken away using processes like this. Truth is being diminished and health is being diminished. That's why when you look at what I shared here today, I think, I mean, I wrote this before this outbreak, is truth, freedom, and health 
is what this is going to be all about. And I ask you if you if you want to, if you care, you know, it's free. Go read this manifesto to really understand the core principles here. The core principles here is that we need truth, freedom, and health against the forces of power, profit, and control. And what you'll see here is I've actually proposed a platform. We shouldn't elect people who who want to serve there more than one term. Second is we need to address a physical de de decay of infrastructure. In order for truth, we need to start having citizen science. At least two thirds of the academics in this country in the big institutions are criminal, probably should be jailed. The fourth thing is we need to focus on freedom and we need to address a big tech censorship issue. I have a solution for that. The, the last thing is we need to really lower the cost of healthcare and we need to educate people with prevention. So read this because it'll give you, in a two-page thing, it's very potent, a deep understanding of what to focus on. Autism is an autoimmune disease. Fruits consume organic fruits. Yeah, look, if you eat a strawberry, it's one of the most, uh, and it's not organic, you might as well just drink a bunch of pesticides while you're at it, okay? So the, the, the key note I wanna, as this is entitled is, the future, your future, it's your choice. It's your future, your choice. More quarantines, more vaccines, more drugs, or real health. And real health is gonna come when you get knowledge about how your body is a system. There's a tool which, um, by the way, you know, I keep telling you I'm running for Senate and I decided to run for Senate because I really wanted to serve and to give something back. Um, if you go back here, let me go back to this. Our U.S. Senate campaign, if you go to it, one of the things that we're doing is that I hate taking something for nothing. The, um, if you support our campaign, one of the cool things that we're doing is we actually make accessible to everyone listening out there um, a, a book that I wrote called System and Revolution. And you get access to, it's an ebook version, you get access to a software called Your Body, Your System, where it actually teaches you, you take a set of questions, it actually teaches you what kind of system you are. And you can apply these principles to anything, how foods and things can throw your system off balance. And then finally, how you can use foods and other things, exercises, to bring your body back into balance. This is not to say that you shouldn't go see your healthcare provider. What I wanted to do here was to teach you system thinking. And I, I feel like with everything going on, all the work I've been doing is probably the gods are saying, you know, it's time to really share this with more and more people, which I which I plan to do. So keep an eye out for it. But our campaign for U.S. Senate is not about a Senate campaign. It's about truth, freedom, and health. It's time we started educating people how the body is a whole system. That's what you need to understand, and that how you can take control of your lives. You also need to understand that. The people that you're electing, it's not just about health. You can't just be narcissists. I see a lot of these yoga people doing yoga postures, taking care of their health, eating right. Well, you can't live in your little bubble. That's quarantining yourself. You need to understand you have other fellow people. They're people who you live with. We need to interact with them. And part of what we need to understand is that the world that we have around us is for, it's our world and we cannot outsource this to others because we end up with dirty air, dirty water and dirty food, which affects the microbiome in our gut, which affects our immune system. These things are systemically connected. From Linda, I've heard you, but this is the first time I actually heard you. I know you're speaking the truth from a 37, let me see what this says, um, from a from 30 nursing as a board certified nurse educator, brain injury special certified, um, uh, involving human. Good luck on your pursuit for public office. Let us know how you support. Yeah. So Linda, you know, my entire life has been about health, all about health. You know, one of the, uh, in 2009, I went back to India to really understand the interconnection between Eastern and Western medicine. There's a paper I wrote called the foundation of traditional Indian medicine, the Rosetta stone for Siddha and Ayurveda. That's basically, and, and this paper is free. I spent a lot of time writing it. It's free for anyone who wants it. You can get it. It's online. If you go to, I think, Your Body, Your System, or Systems Health. And I dedicated this to my grandmother. You can read it here. To my grandmother, a farmer and healer who inspired in me love of medicine and a compelling desire to create a just world. And if you read this paper here, at the end of it, this is what I show, that the traditional systems of medicine were directly related to engineering theory. 
You see, these people weren't just yogis running around saffron robes. They actually understood the body as a system. And then when I came back, I actually created a whole course called System Self. And we've been teaching this to a lot of people, you know, a lot of people. And I want to make it accessible to everyone because I want to train all of you guys to start seeing how the body is a system. That's what we need in this country. Oops, let me show this to you. Um, so you can see here is this course that I created. And in fact, this was 10 years before the coronavirus that educated leaders to ignite a systems revolution for truth, freedom, and health. And it's an online program. Since everyone's at home, you can learn it. We'll, uh, I'll ask Jen to figure out a way to offer it to people so you guys can get access to it. We are running for US Senate, but but and you can also learn this and teach other people. There's a portal that you can use, but the fundamental goal here is not some selfish interest just for your personal health, but it's really for you guys to start understanding that the body is a system. Everything around is, 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 is a system. All right, I think I'm done, but in closing, this is your future, your choice. When you think about this, do you wanna have more market crashes? Do you want to have more quarantines? Do you want to have just vaccines being mandated on you? Because that's not the solution. And I can tell you that the people running the CDC and the NIH and the leadership, they don't care about looking at the body as a system. A, they never studied it that way because they just learned this little reductionist thing called medical school. Most MDs, the problem with them is big egos, but not that smart and not that educated, okay? Surgeons, anesthesiologists, nurses actually know a lot more than the ego to ego maniacal MDs. And you can have them come talk to me because they know a little bit about the immune system. And the bottom line is, it's not the virus that kills you, it's the overreaction of a weakened and dysfunctional immune system. And for that, we can strengthen it. Am I saying don't take vaccines or everyone should take vaccines? No, what I'm saying is everyone is different. You have to find the right medicine for the right person at the right time. That's what we need to do. We need to figure out real health and that is personalized. One size does not fit all and it requires you to take accountability. But most importantly, you need to start electing people who actually solve problems, who are not I hate to say it, these scumbag lawyer lobbies. I have to use that word. And if you get, unfortunately, you don't like it, well, you know what? You're going to look at a horrible world the way this is going if you don't realize that those people who think they're better than you, who manipulate the world, the lawyer lobbyist class, is what got us here. And they will continue to take this you down. You know, they'll have their oasis. Mark my words. They'll have their little oasis where they can ex escape to, but not but not for you, okay, but for them. And don't forget that. All right, again, uh, anyone listening here, you should go to Shiva for Senate, support our campaign because a campaign in Massachusetts is not about Massachusetts. It's, it's a national campaign for truth, freedom, and health. Thank you, everyone. Be well.